Today, we're privileged. 18 months ago, when I first started coming to Ironman, my first meeting, I met this guy named Mike. And it turned out it was Mike's first time here. So Mike and I started a conversation. And uh, in the midst of the conversation, I had this kind of little feeling saying, I'm talking to Clark Kent right now. And uh, this guy is a dragon slayer. He is coming across with a degree of humbleness. So over time, we had a number of cups of coffees. We've played tennis together. And uh, Mike is uh, one of my spiritual friends. I really am blessed, and I thank God that he's crossed my life. But his superpower is empathy, and he leads with his ears, and he knows what you're going through. And he has the ability to connect with you on a level that you don't feel alone in your journey. So Mike is a unique individual. I count him uh, when I'm finding myself stuck in a place, I call Mike. I just want to be in his presence. So I'm really looking forward to hear what he has to share. So before we do that and before we greet him, can we just stand and open with a word of prayer? Father, we are standing in your presence and first of all today, Friday, this Friday, we proclaim you as alive and active in our nation in our community, and in our hearts. And Lord, uh, some of us, most of us have various things that are going on in our thinking, in our hearts, that could be a distraction. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us this gift of focus that we can hear your word from our brother Mike. We ask that you would just fill Mike with boldness and an easiness to share what's in his heart. And we pray for our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, let's give it up for Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. So a case for Christ. I want to say hello to a couple special people. They know who they are that are, that are tuning in this morning. Uh, case for Christ. I'm going to give my testimony today, and uh, it zigs and zags, and so I'll try to do it in a way that captures your attention. Uh, but my testimony began, I was just four years old. I, I was actually at preschool. I met this little dude on the playground. His name was Jim. He was the coolest little dude. He had this 1970s haircut like the Partridge family. All the little girls were whispering about him, and I just, I just knew immediately I want to be that guy's friend. And we became best of friends. Went to kindergarten, uh, elementary school. We were best friends all, all through elementary school. And he was that dude, you remember, you had one too, where every year they'd post who's going to be in school, uh, who's going to be in your class that year. So you'd run to the bulletin board to see if your names were, were together on the list. Best friends all through junior high. We, we did the, uh, the underarm contest. Did you guys do that with anybody? Where you you kind of like put your arms next to each other and you, it was a contest. See who's going to grow the first hair? <laughs> That went on for a while. Uh, we were both late bloomers. We were best friends through high school. Uh, we went to the same college together. We were best friends through that. Jim got me a job in medical sales, which is where I am today. I wouldn't be where I am today without Jim. We even worked for the same company as adults for two years. Best friends. Our families knew each other. Our wives knew each other. We were like one person. Uh, I mean that. Like We had the same sense of humor. We, we looked alike. If he was here, you'd be like, wow, you guys are brothers. We sounded alike. I could read his mind. He could read my mind. 
We were the best of friends. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. Don't think you know where the story's going. It's going to have some twists and turns, I promise you. But I want to fast forward now to the most important part of my wife, and that was meeting my wife, Patty. So we got married, and we got pregnant, and with Austin, our first son, and something bad happened in the 26th week of our pregnancy. It was something really bad. Uh, we lost Austin. And when when something like that happens, you kind of go, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, too, that regardless what you hear in my testimony today, this was the worst experience that has ever happened in our lives. When something like that happens, it seems like you go one of two ways. You either go closer to God or you kind of move away from God. And Patty, she was smart. She was trying to go closer to God. She was, she was trying to take me with her. And I wouldn't go. I was stupid. Uh, I was mad. I hated God. And I'm ashamed to tell you, man in this room, that I became an atheist for a couple of years. Nothing could be so painful. So at this point, I'll go to a different time in my life. After losing Austin, as, as difficult as that was, I'm going to now go back three years ago uh, where I met my first Ironman. And his name is Dave Wagner. And Dave is an Ironman, trust me, but he's never been to any of these meetings. He's, he's never met David Hill. Uh, in fact, he lives in Lesueur, Minnesota. But he is an Ironman. He's a Christian through and through. And so Dave taught me how to read the Bible, taught me to have an individual relationship with Christ. And so that went on for about six months. Uh, I was building this foundation in God, and it was around that time that I get this phone call from a buddy of mine. His name is Jason. And Jason's a stud. He, he's always on top of his game. You guys hopefully have a friend like Jason. And I got excited when the phone rang because I knew what he was going to say. I put him on speakerphone, and I'm waiting for him to say, What's up, Taz? You know, he always, always was excited. And instead, he was a mess. I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. He, he sounded terrible. I, I immediately became really worried for him. And I said, Jason, dude, are, are you okay? What's up, man? And he said, Jim is dead. <sighs> you know, you can't prepare yourself for those calls. I had lost my son. I had lost my dad. And, and I do not compare those losses, but I was devastated. I got off the phone with Jason, and my wife must have heard some commotion, so she came running in, and she hugged me, and she knows me better than anybody. Um, so she knew that, that this was going to be a, a devastating loss for me. So that afternoon, I, I go to Jim's house, and there's a gathering there with some immediate family members. His, his siblings that I grew up with, I love these people. They're like family to me. His wife and his daughters, age 17, 15, and 12. And by the way, Jim had committed suicide. And you can never compare grief. You can't do that. But the people in this room that I was in with, this house... They'd lost their dad, they'd lost their significant other, they lost their brother. And I'm sorry to say it wasn't their first brother that they lost. But I can only tell you that for me in that house, I, I felt like I was half a man. And the other half of me was gone forever. I'd never see him again. I was missing. So I drove home. I'm not, I'm not even really sure how I was able to drive. And, and I don't mean to be dramatic. I, I don't like drama. But I could barely walk from, from the grief, from the loss of Jim. It was staggering to me. And I pull up to my driveway. There were, there were no cars in the driveway. Patty knows me well. She knew that I, I needed to be alone. 
So I walk into the house and I get in and I'm leaning up against this wall, or, or really I should say the wall was, was holding me up. I'm at the foot of my stairs. And it was at that moment that I heard my son's voice, Hunter's voice, my living son's voice, not my other son, okay? Boy, wouldn't that be a testimony. <laughs> so big part of my testimony is, happens right now. I hear my son's voice, he says, Dad, are you okay? Says it from upstairs. He knew, my, my wife must have told him that Jim died. And as he's walking downstairs, I, I want you to think about this. He's a 17-year-old boy. And because I had lost my first son, I had built this brick wall with him. I, I, I was devastated to lose a second son. I couldn't go through it. So I built this brick wall. I, I, I didn't show him any vulnerability. I'd never really let him know who I was, and I never got to know who he was. And I wanted so desperately to, to have a relationship with my son. He comes down the stairs, and I'm a mess. And he gets right in front of me. He puts both of his hands on my shoulders. And what happens next is where I am 100% sure that God stepped in. He stepped into Hunter. Puts both hands on my shoulders. Looks me square in the eye. There's not a tear in his eye. He looks strong. He brings me in slowly for a hug. And then he embraces me. And he's, this is what he says to me in my ear. He says, Dad, I'm sorry. You, you need to know this. You are an amazing man. You did a great job raising us. You did an amazing job raising me. He said, Dad, I respect you. I look up to you. I want to be like you. I love you. So I, I got to tell you, if you ask Hunter about that today, he'll tell you that he felt like he became a man that day. And I felt like, man, that brick wall that I spent building his entire life came crumbling down in a moment. It was an amazing blessing. And that really should be the end of my testimony right there. Like, that is the blessing of my testimony. But it, it continues because, remember, I'm a broken man. I'm a half a man. I lost my best friend. So the next day, I call my Ironman, Dave Wagner. And I tell Dave that my best friend committed suicide. And you're going to know why I'm calling him an Ironman. Dave said immediately, he said, he said, Mike, that's Romans 8.28. It's like Romans 8.28. I go right to my Bible. I get off the phone with Dave. And I, I gave everybody some cards if you could grab them. Many of you know this, this scripture, but I'll ask you if you could please hold them in your hand as I'm finishing my, my talk with you. I go to write to my Bible and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work towards good for those who are called according, according to his purpose. And I was blown away. I had been reading the Bible for like six months, thanks to Dave. But these words totally blew me away because it starts off, and we know. It doesn't say, and we think. It doesn't say, and we are taught to believe. It says, and we know. And then there's these three words, and I have no idea what they mean. I mean, they're jumping off the page at me. I, I do not understand them. Love God. I was raised a Catholic, okay? I was taught to believe in God, which up until this point in my life, I'd been having a difficult time doing. But to love God? What does that mean? I, I didn't even know what it looked like. So I go for a walk with my mom the next day. She was also grieving Jim. She loved Jim. And this is an, another awesome part of my testimony because I asked my mom, Mom, how do you love God? And she said almost immediately, as if she had been planning for the question, she said, Mike, you love him with your actions. I was like, okay. 
then it said the word all. Like all, all things lead to good. Like, you know, babies burning and cars and Austin dying and all of your awful losses that you have endured. All of those things, all of those lead to good. Wow. For those who do two things, you just have to do two things and they lead to good. Love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Purpose? <laughs> purpose? What is that? God is a purpose for me? The word purpose, all I can tell you is that I don't have time to talk about it. I'm only given a short period of time here today, as you gentlemen know. So I left it as the very first thing for you to talk about at your tables, purpose. Well, Romans 8.28 became my lifeline. The 10 days preceding Jim's funeral, I said it over and over and over and over. Nobody knew that I was doing it. I was doing it privately. It became my survival guide. When I went for a walk, I was meditating on the three words. Whenever I got off the phone with somebody, meditating, thinking, Romans 8.28. I, I said it over 100 times a day, well over. The 10 days leading up, I'm telling you, it was well over 1,000 times I said Romans 8.28. It helped me. It's a powerful scripture. And I encourage you to incorporate it into your life. If you're going through something right now, think about Romans 8.28. It can help you. Gentlemen, I'm going to close. I've got one last story that I'm going to share. Um, and, it, and if you could, I'm going to ask everybody to grab one of their cards and stand up with me, if you would, from, for the last part of my story here. Could you do that for me? Leading up to Jim's funeral was tough, but the day of Jim's funeral was super tough. It was a sad and somber day, as all of the funerals have been that you've been to. And the drive over there, I was with my wife and my four kids, and it was a quiet ride. And so you, you know what I was doing. I was saying Romans 8.28 to my mind, in my mind, over and over again. And when I got to the church, in between every hug and embracement and conversation, I was saying Romans 8.28 to keep me from crying, to keep me from being a blubbering idiot. And so we get to our, our seat, we're in the second row off to the side, and I sit down, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be one of the most difficult hours of my life to say goodbye to my best friend, to say goodbye to half of me. So I took a deep breath and I put both my palms up on my side, facing up to God. And I said, Romans 8.28, and I concentrated on those three words one last time. The pastor comes up, sits at the, stands at the front of the stage, front of the pastor. There's life-size posters of Jim all around him. And what happens next completes my testimony. Because it was God who said to me, Mike, just in case you missed it, because so often my children miss it, I'm going to do one last thing for you, something that I planned well in advance for you and for everybody that hears these words. The pastor stood up, put both of his hands up to the sky, and gentlemen, I'd like for you to help me now and help me to read what the pastor said. And by the way, he didn't just say it once. He built the entire funeral around these words. So gentlemen, would you help me? In reading what that pastor said, he said, And we know for those who love God, all things work towards good for those who are called according to his purpose. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow. Mike, thank you so much for inviting all of us into your story. And thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability, um, your humility. It's inspiring. Guys, the rest of our time together this morning is going to be spent at your tables with your table captain. Um, some of the guys have already kind of spread out outside. Please do so. If you don't have a table, feel free to claim a table outside. Um, make sure you're with a table captain. If anyone doesn't have a table captain, please come and find me. 
for the first-timers, Jesse Stanley is going to be your table captain. If there is any more first-timers over here, the first-timers table is here with Jesse. We have a lot of guys here this morning, so I just wanted to make sure everyone kind of knew their way around. But table captains, uh, the floor is yours. And virtually, uh, David Sampalipo, the floor is yours.